I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Season 11 of the Parenting Aces podcast, a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week we've got Coach J.Y. O'Bone back with us to talk about managing energy over the course of a tournament. And this is a topic that has come up multiple times in my conversations with J.Y., in J.Y.'s conversations with his students, and of course, just in general amongst all of the parents that I talk to and the coaches that I talked to. So I'm really excited for JY to share his thoughts on how junior players can not only manage their time over the course of a tournament, but also manage their energy so that they're as fresh on finals day as they are on the first day of competition. Before I bring JY on, just a quick reminder, if you haven't already, we'd love for you to become a premium member of Parenting Aces and get all of the things that that brings including two complimentary one-hour consults with me, you can join Parenting Aces by going to our website, parentingaces.com, and click on the Join button in the top right. Also, you can sign up for our free e-newsletter, which comes out weekly and brings you our latest posts. And as well, we'd love for you to follow us on all of our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We are at Parenting Aces and hope to see you there. Now, without further ado, Coach J.Y. O'Bone. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. JY, it's nice to see your smiling face again. How's new fatherhood treating you? Hey, Lisa. It's getting a lot better. It was a rough start. It was a nice awakening on what a (laughs) a different life I now have. Uh, But I'm getting used to it, getting better at it, and learning how to manage my life. So it's good. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So you and I stay in contact and you're very active in our Facebook group and you're always answering questions for parents, which I appreciate so much. But today I wanted to really focus on how players can manage themselves while they're at a tournament. And I don't just mean time management because, you know, that's a, a challenge in and of itself. But one of the issues that you've seen come up repeatedly is players managing their energy throughout a tournament so that they're as fresh on the final day as they are on day one of competition. And I thought it would be really helpful for the Parenting Aces audience. And sorry, I'm jerking around. My dog is 
sitting at my feet and itching for some pets here. (laughs) Um, One of the questions that's come up a lot and one of the observations that you recently made was that you're seeing these kids by day three of the tournament just zapped of energy. And especially if they're playing both singles and doubles and kind of the question came up, you know, how do we help these kids manage their energy expenditure so that they can continue to compete at the highest level once they reach the later rounds of an event where it really counts? Yeah, it's become, this is very new for me because I mean, when I was growing up and playing juniors, there was so little doubles. So I, I think it's great that it's being offered at, at so many different types of events now that uh, because it, it it's fun playing with your friend and you can develop so many new skills. And I also think that it's great for, you know, for players who lose early in tournaments, they still stay involved in a different way. They get a lot more matches. But the, the hard part is now is I, I've seen tournaments now, the decent amount of time to put doubles first in the morning. So they'll have an 8 a.m. doubles match. Sometimes they have two matches and then they have singles after. And so maybe you can get through one day, but I had one player, he had, he started, uh, he was going into the semifinals and finals, but the night before he finished his fourth match of the day. I think it started at 7 p.m. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. Well, because, you know, 9 a.m. singles match, then about 12, then about two, and then about, whatever. So it's just, and then, you know, all the opponents need to start, you know, depending on when they finish their matches. So I know they're not playing two out of three full match, two out of three full sets uh, in both singles or doubles, but these are still very, very long days. And then if you win your doubles, which happened to this one player, and this happened to a, a few of my other players, I think this was the fourth time this year already where they finish a late doubles match after 7, 7.30 p.m., and they have a, a match 8 a.m. next day mm-hmm. after playing four matches that day. That's exhausting. I mean, and so every time I'm, they've been tired, they've recognized it. And look, I mean, even if you're homeschooled playing tennis five hours a day, to plan to be at a tournament all day long, that many matches, that many warm-ups, hits, playing, stress, nerves, and you have to come back and do it again. Uh, it, it gets hard. And I think just one of the things that I've just found myself suggesting to parents is look, and to the players as well, is it, if you think you can do well at this tournament, you might have to be a little bit more strategic about when you play doubles or not. Or maybe you don't care, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But let's at least say, you know, for example, we have the summer coming up. So for unless you're from Florida, it, it's a little cooler everywhere else. Um, I, I look at me, I got a jacket on here in Atlanta. So yeah, you're going to be playing in some really hot weather. So if you're just going to go and play four matches in over 90 degree weather, and then you're going to think you're going to do it again the next day when you haven't trained in that weather all day long, um, it, it, your it, chances of success are going to be low. So you just want to be aware of, okay, are, are we willing to risk singles? Is that okay? You know, okay, that's fine. We're happy. We're fine losing in quarters and singles. Like, we literally just want to play as much as we can. That's okay. Um, but I do think there is a point where sometimes if you continue to lose in semis and quarters and semis because you're exhausted. It does get frustrating. So I've just started to suggest to some players, hey, look, why don't we play doubles? You know, at these, this tournament, yes. This tournament, no. Just start to plan ahead and just saying yes everywhere. 
um, because it, it is starting to hurt him. And, and let's be honest, I do think having the experience of playing in finals uh, when you're young can just bring more experience later on. So if you can get that when you're younger, understanding how to handle your nerves, being the only people there, people watching, I think that's something we want to try to get used to. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, you know, when you think about managing energy during a tournament, it's not just about fitness. It's about managing hydration. It's about managing calorie intake. It's about managing sleep. It's about managing anxiety and nerves. So there are a lot of factors that go into it. And I don't want people listening or watching this to think that, oh, you know, my player you know, is low on energy by the end of day two, they're just not fit enough. It's not necessarily just about the fitness, though that's certainly a component of it. But there's so many pieces to this competitive tennis puzzle, and all of them need to be addressed in order for these players to have success, whatever success means for them. And as you said, you know, maybe that means that you don't play singles and doubles at every single tournament. Maybe you pick and choose, um, you know, where you're willing to expend that extra energy for doubles. Some kids find doubles invigorating and energizing. You know, it's a way for them to calm their nerves in between singles competition. So you have to understand the player as well as the circumstances. And again, JY, you mentioned the heat down in the South in the summer, To me, the heat was never the issue. It was the humidity and trying to figure out how to stay hydrated when you've not only got 90 degree temperatures, but you've got 95 plus percent humidity. So the body is constantly losing fluids and electrolytes and finding effective ways to replenish that so that the player can compete at their highest level, not just physically, but mentally too. Yeah. Yeah. you know, you know, just speaking on the hydration side, um, I had someone go through an experience where, you know, they, they started dealing with some cramps. And so I asked them about their hydration process. And they said, well, I started drinking about two hours before the match. I'm like, look, I, I but, and this is something. Hopefully that, the and, parenting aces audience knows better than that, because we talk about this all the time, that hydration is a constant battle. It's not something you can start right before a tournament. It has to be taken care of on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, I think the one thing for, for this person was they actually didn't know what I was about to tell them. So it's, it's not like it was their fault. Again, I always say this is, you know, your coach's fault that, you know, you should have been told this from years ago and this, and this is something we always need to talk about. Um, so I'm like, if you didn't know, it's okay. But you want the hydration process to start at least two days before, actually. Um, if you can just kind of do it all week, I th- obviously that's better. You know, if you look at the pro players, they're always walking around with a bottle of water. Just, I mean, it's crazy, but that's just how and they're, they're sipping on it. It's not like they're chugging. Um, but yeah. And I think, you know, when it comes to the fitness side, uh, I do, and this, is the, yeah, this sometimes is, there's just not much you can do about it. I mean, who gets four matches in, in one day? Yeah. So that's, there's just nothing you can do. And I think one of the things I've just tried to tell, you know, some parents is like, look, if they did get tired, it's like, don't overthink it, you know, because if you are progressing the right way and you do get to play these, these super nationals, the clay courts and the Kalamazoo, you'll actually only play one match a day there. Mm -hmm. So 
it's not like it gets even harder as you move up. It, it's actually harder at these, you know, L2s, L3s, L4s, because you're trying to squeeze in so many matches in a short amount of time. If you, if you can make it out of that, I mean, ITFs, they play one match a day. Yeah. So um, And there's no backdraw. So when you're done, you're done. <laughs> yeah, when you're done, you're done. So, you know, and I think, but yeah, and then I think, you know, when it comes to like the, the food part too is, where for, for most kids, and I was one of them too, uh, hopefully, I think there's starting to be a lot more education around food and when to eat and how to eat what's healthy foods and stuff. But most kids for their first 8 a.m., 9 a.m. match will try to wake up as late as possible. Um, <laughs> but, but it takes, I mean, if, if I'm not mistaken, it takes close to three hours for your body to be fully awake to play your match. Um, now, are you going to wake up at 5 a.m. to play at 8? Probably not, but you're not, you can't wake up at 645, run to the courts, eat a bowl of cereal and play. Right. You can't do that either. Uh, but then, yeah, that's the other thing too, is most kids will only have like a bowl of cereal and not, um, not oatmeal, you know, which at least has some protein with it, just like some frosted flakes or, or fruit, fruit loops. And it's just pure sugar and carbs. So they'll finish that eight, nine a.m. max and it's 11, 1130. And they've had, they're, they're on empty. And now a lot of tournaments, what they do, I guess the, the way the rule is, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, that they only have to give you an hour in between matches. Yep. So, but junior matches. Singles because, matches. Singles, singles matches, matches. Not doubles. Yeah. So I, I've had kids that they played a two hour, 20 minute, thir- two hour, 30 minute singles match because these are kids. They can't blast winners left and right. So and they're on the court in an hour. And I, 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 you know, and I'd maybe tell the parent, like, hey, just go ask for an extra 30 minutes at least. You can't get a full meal in an hour. They will not give them the extra 30 minutes. Yeah. So it's, this, is, this is hard. You know, when I was growing up, minimum hour and a half, minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, granted, we were playing f- full three sets, but it, you can't get a full meal in then. So if you right. only had a little bowl of cereal, you played your two-hour 30-minute match, you're going to get what? maybe a six inch sub or something like that, a tiny little, you know, Chipotle bowl. And then you got to go play again. You play another two hours, 30 minutes, you're toast. You have nothing. So, you know, you have to plan ahead to where, okay, if you're not a big breakfast eater, that's fine. But then you need to be nibbling on something throughout the whole match. Um, You need to have a a drink that um, there are some drinks now that have carbs in the drinks, like good carbs, some sodium, that can help maintain your body. Uh, and then that way, when you go eat for lunch, you know, you're not so starved, but you, you know, you can just keep nibbling for the next match too. And it just, just keeps going on through there. So you have to think ahead big time. And especially if, you know, you're at a tournament in a town where you're staying at, you know, one of the typical tournament hotels and they have the typical breakfast at the hotel, which like you said, they have dry cereal, you know, milk, they may have yogurt, they may have, um, you know, waffles or pancakes or something like that. But typically, there aren't a lot of options for good protein, good complex carbohydrates, etc. It's important to go to the grocery store when you get there or bring food with you that is going to supplement what's on offer at the hotel. Because of course, you don't have time to go seek out a healthy breakfast if you have that 8 a.m. match. You need to be able to eat at the hotel. 
But we ran into a lot of times when my son was still playing was the hotel breakfast didn't even start until 7 a.m. And so if you had an 8 a.m. match, you were out of luck. You had to have food with you to eat before you played. I love what you said about nibbling throughout the matches on court, too. That is key. And there are even sports drinks now that have some protein in them to help maintain energy level throughout a match. Of course, you don't want a heavy protein sitting in your gut while you're trying to compete, but a few grams of protein over the course of the match can help with speeding up that recovery if you do only get an hour in between. Yeah. And, and I'll say there are some tournament directors out there that you know, are very knowledgeable about this stuff. They are very willing to accommodate extra time between matches if you ask politely. And also, I will say the, the player, him or herself, is the one who should be asking for the extra time. It's not the parent's role. It's really not the coach's role either. This is something the player needs to manage and, and learn how to manage. It needs to be taught to them. Yep. They need to understand how to be polite when they talk to the tournament director, how to not get frustrated or angry if the term, tournament director denies the request. But the sooner the kids can learn how to manage these aspects of their competition, the better. You know, I just think it's a yeah. great life lesson for them. Yeah. You know, I'll give two, two quick examples on just how we planned ahead uh, with Riley when we were traveling, you know, for, for his first matches, uh, you know, in Rome last year. So just, you know, Riley has to arrive very early to tournaments to, to work with his physio. It needs about an hour and 15 minutes with his physio before even hitting balls, right? There, there's the 30 minute warm up, then there's an hour and 15 minutes. So just based on everything, we had to leave so early, even for 11 a.m. matches that, like you said, breakfast w wasn't st wasn't starting yet. So we didn't want to wait the extra 30 minutes. Yeah. But then the tournament didn't have breakfast food. They didn't start. They had fruits and bananas, which that's not going to cut it for a pro athlete. So the uh, but they were starting lunch at 11. Well, but he's playing at 11. They're like, we'll have breakfast at the hotel. Well, we're not going to be there. So what do we do? Well, I always travel with a huge bag of oatmeal. Just with COVID and lockdowns, I never knew what I was going to eat. I want to always have oatmeal. He always travels with, uh, with protein shakes, and me and his physio always have protein bars. So we literally would go to the <laughs> – we'd go to the tournament in Rome. I'd go to the coffee machines, just take out the coffee pods, have hot water run through the coffee machine in a coffee cup, and I was pouring my oatmeal. I'd bring my bag of oatmeal to the tennis tournament. This is Rome Masters. You can find me there, 7.15 a.m., pouring you know, oatmeal in this coffee cup, you know, getting honey for the coffee and just putting it in there to flavor it up and you know, get the spoons to stir. I mean, the mm -hmm. coffee, we use that to eat. And I'd make them about two cups. And just he'd, he'd have as much oatmeal as he could because there's, there's, there's protein in oatmeal and there's a good amount of carbs. And then he'd have a protein shake for extra extra protein and then he'd have the the protein bars as well so but we made these decisions at like eight o'clock the night before we looked mm -hmm. ahead we asked the tournament once the schedule came out hey when does food start hey hotel when does breakfast start we weren't just like all right we're going to do whatever we want and then everything's just going to be there for us yeah so and that's an know, important point is asking the question right you need to know what time does breakfast start at the hotel what is in the breakfast buffet you know what are our options going to be not 
the morning of. You need to find this out the day before so there's time to compensate if needed. Yeah. And I've even, you know, Starbucks used to be a great place to just, they kind of open almost always at 5 a.m. Well, now not all Starbucks have the same location, same opening hours. Some open at six or seven or even eight, depending mm-hmm. on their location. So maybe you thought, well, I'll just go to Starbucks. They actually have some, some, you know, eggs and stuff that you can buy packaged. So it's something. And, you know, I've shown up at seven and they're like, what, what do you mean? Starbucks, you're not open yet? Not open. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to look ahead, look at the opening hours of places. Uh, but I know it's a lot, but the thing is, if you are going to invest uh, money and time and, you, you know, and especially if you decide to travel for the weekend for a tournament, might as well make it, you know, as good as you can and prepare yourself. So I think, it, I think it's worth it. What have you found, JY, works for your players in terms of the course of the day of actual tournament days? So let's say it's the first day of the tournament. As you mentioned, let's say they start with doubles in the morning. Maybe they play two rounds of doubles that first morning, and then they have a singles match in the afternoon. What are you doing with your player prior to that first doubles match, in between the two, and then between the second doubles match and the singles match? And most importantly, what are you doing at the end of the day with your player to get them ready for day two? So if, if, it's, if it's a player that, you know, doubles isn't so much a priority for them, they're playing because they're playing with a friend, that it's fun. Like if they lose first round, they, it's not, they don't care. Singles really is the priority. So something new I've actually started to suggest is let's say they're playing at 8 a.m. I'll tell them actually, hey, show up literally 7.25, 7.30. Don't actually warm up. Like don't have a full warm up for doubles. Do a dynamic warm up and just hit literally five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then go do your, you know, because then you're going to get another five minutes to hit anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, use the actual doubles match as your warm up. So, you know, where before if they played an 8 a.m. singles match, I'd probably tell them, show up at 6.45 or 7. Mm-hmm. You know, that way you can do a full warm-up. You have time to go to the bathroom if you need, or you want to go grab another snack, you have time. But I've actually now started to say, use the doubles match as your actual warm-up for your day, just okay. so you can get an extra 45 minutes of sleep. Yeah. So, and I'm like, if your doubles goes bad, what do you care? I mean, you and your par- you and your friend are in agreement that you're just doing this for fun. So, right that's helped them get a little bit more sleep and kind of manage their energy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really I just, in between matches, the, the tricky part has been just making sure that, Hey, do you have a snack? Hey, do you have a snack? Keep snacking, please keep snacking. What are you drinking? Um, th- like you said, th- there's not a lot of downtime for these kids anymore if they're playing doubles and singles. So it's more of as soon as they're done playing, Hey, you know, don't talk to your friends about that. The match you just wanted how crazy with that shot down break point. No, no, no. Hey, look, I'm really, really sorry, but you're going to be really miserable if you're down six Oh in your next match, because you're too full because you just ate. So mm-hmm. let's, you know, I already know what time you play. Let's just get moving. Let's eat right away. So you can come back and actually sit for like at least 10 minutes and relax. Mm-hmm. That's something that I do. Cause that's why I want to release so quickly is, I want them to have 10, 15 minutes, just literally sit there and not feel like they're looking at the clock the whole time. Yeah. They can just kind of relax, eat. You got 10 minutes in peace, enjoy it. Um, But if they talk too long after their match with their friends, now they're rushing everywhere and they show up to the match rushed. And I've even had some kids like, you know, some that I'm not there with, but I'm on the phone with. And they're actually telling me, I'm trying to talk to them about like strategy, clear them out. Like, well, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. I'm like, well, why'd you call me 30 seconds before going on the court? Like, you know, so, um, well, that, yeah, just trying to, 
That triggers another thought for me, JY, which is, you know, checking in for matches. Most tournament directors will tell you, do not check in for the match until you are ready to walk on court. So there is absolutely no reason, unless the tournament director tells you differently, there is no reason to check in 30 minutes before your match and get called when you're not ready to go on court yet. Wait and check in at the last possible minute. Of course, you don't want that default clock to start ticking, but you know there is just absolutely no reason to check in early, especially when you're playing multiple matches on a day, because the last thing you want is for your recovery time to be cut into because you checked in early. That's a great point, actually. That's a great point. And one day I actually need to think of more. You know, so yeah, that that's an awesome point because that could save if you if you play four matches and you do that four times, you know, and that could save you an extra forty five minutes of rest if you add it up all the time. So yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So okay, so your player has you've told them you know we're not going to get to the court way ahead of that first doubles match. That's going to be your warm up. Let's say they win that doubles match and maybe they've got thirty minutes recovery before match number two. Between those two doubles matches, for you, is the most important thing for them just to be snacking and sipping on their sports drink? Snacking until at least, if it's doubles, maybe five to ten minutes before that match. And then you start doing basically a full dynamic warm-up again. Okay. Actual side shuffles, movement, whatever your routine incorporates of an actual, you know, an active warm-up, mm. rewarm up your body. A lot of times they, they just kind of sit there and then they go on the court again. Well, if you sat there for 30 minutes, you're cold. Right. So, uh, you know, redo that dynamic warm up. If it's singles going up. I forgot to ask you, though. Hang on. Let's back up one second. After that first doubles match, are you having them stretch while they're snacking and drinking? Or are we foregoing the stretch until after the second match? I'll forego the actual stretching. Yeah. As long as they, yeah, if they get the active stretching, the active dynamic warm up after, I think it's fine. For you to stretch a body part for, for, 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. You know, you're going to run through it. It's probably not going to be very efficient. So okay. uh, I'd rather have them fuel up mm-hmm. again, have a five, 10 minute, just kind of sit down, relax, recover, um, and just kind of hang out and then go into an active dynamic warm up. So that would be my preference if you had that short amount of time. Okay. So I, I leave the static stretching literally for the very end of the day, unless maybe they say, Hey, they're, they're coming into that match with a tight back or tight hamstring or, and then we, you know, becomes more important to staying healthy at that point. Sure. Okay. So now they're playing their second doubles, that match is finished and they have an hour before their first singles match of the day and, and probably only singles match of the day, unless, I don't know, unless it's really a crazy tournament. (laughs) Um, but so in that hour between the second doubles and the first singles, what are you doing? So if try to get to eat as soon as possible, if you know what time they're playing, I think a great thing for for a parent to do is actually either order a meal ahead, grab the meal before that doubles match even started. Right. So you have it with you so that maybe you don't have to go anywhere because Mm -hmm. driving to a place takes five, 10 minutes, then five, 10 minutes back. You just lost 20 minutes just sitting in the car going places. So Mm. you can actually have that food ready somehow. That's a huge plus. So because every second that hour counts. So I'd Mm. say how fast can we get to food? And then if you have a singles match coming up again, 
uh, I'd go into what now you want a little bit longer by dynamic warmer because you're going to be moving a lot more. Um, and so a, a 10 to 15 minute dynamic warm. And again, it's not like very intense. It's a nice, relaxed, dynamic warm up, slowly just getting everything warmed up again. You should start to feel a tiny bit of sweat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's how you know that it's working. Okay. And for that meal, you know, presumably we're around lunchtime now, if they've played two doubles matches in the morning, um, you know, we've done podcasts on what to eat during tournaments. And for those of you watching or listening that need more details about this stuff, please go on parentingaces.com and just type nutrition in the search bar and that information will come up for you. But, you know, the typical tournament fair is running to Subway, running to Panera, um, something like that, getting a turkey sandwich, no mayo. Please don't put mayo on their sandwich while they're competing. It is just a recipe for disaster. Especially um, in the summer. Especially in the summer. But mustard is a great addition if they can tolerate it because there's so much sodium in the mustard. It's a great way to replenish those electrolytes. Um, but whole grain bread, preferable to white bread, um, a piece of fruit maybe, but bananas have a ton of sugar. And I know we always see pros eating bananas on the side change, but I've been told by nutritionists multiple times that bananas are really tough to digest because of all the sugar content. So a better fruit choice is something like blueberries um, that are a little bit easier on the digestive system and, or maybe some melon um, is also a good thing to have, but any other tips that you would have for that refueling period before that singles match? Yeah, I, I think it's just understanding what you're eating as well. Does it have any protein? So if you're eating just like, you know, just a, a regular sandwich with just some ham and cheese, like that's probably pretty light. If you can find a way to throw in a little bit of meat or a little bit of protein. However, you know, for, for all the, you know, the vegetarians or that stay away from chicken and stuff, you got to find a way to have some sort of protein um, because, you know, protein that goes to your muscles, that's your muscle strength and all that. So find some sort of balance there, you know, if, because if you have also just two, three apples and a protein bar, well, that, that's also going to be pretty light. Um, that's a lot of sugar with not enough protein and carbs. It's just, Anyways, I, you know, but yeah, I think dates are great as well. Oh yeah. Um, you know, dates are great because they have a lot of carbs and sugar, but they're filling as well. Um, but so I think, and also as the player learns about their body, they can kind of know like, okay, what can I eat on certain days? For example, like a banana for me, I ate it actually when I was hungry on the court Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be full, you know, because maybe my lunch was too light. Mm-hmm. I, for whatever reason, I just, so I feel hungry on the court. Well, I don't want to chug Gatorade or something like that because that's just too much liquid, but that's where then I'll go to the banana. You know, right. I think nuts are great. You can, if you want to nibble on some nuts, um, because that's, you get some protein in there as well. So I think for the most, just, if you can just stay away from just empty foods, yeah. I think at the end of the day, right. So you know, like I said, cereals are just pretty empty. They're just sugars and bad carbs. You're going to be hungry in 45 minutes. And especially if it's with a big bowl of milk. Yeah, it's just not, yeah. a, not a great decision. So just... Especially have, in the heat. <laughs> yeah, gosh, yeah. yeah. So ha- have foods that are meaningful um, in some sort of way. So, um, and, and it, 
if the kid's not hungry, then that's fine. Don't force them food. Sometimes they're so nervous that they can't eat, mm-hmm. but just, just, okay, please just nibble. Just mm-hmm. continue to nibble little by little and just do this for the next hour and a half and you're going to get through it fine. And I will also say, you know, a big tournament is not the time to test whether or not you can tolerate certain foods or drinks on the court and in between matches. This is something you need to test out during practice matches, during practice days, and see what sits well and what doesn't and make those determinations ahead of tournament weekends. <laughs> don't don't totally upend your routine at a tournament. And that's why one of the reasons I actually suggest to parents is actually This is why scheduling out is so important, your tournaments and which ones are the bigger tournaments when you're playing them, because you want to play warm-up tournaments to get ready for that, okay? I mean, you you don't just wake up and know how to play a match. I mean, you have to – you need actual matches to understand how to deal with your emotions, how do you deal with the day, right? What do you Mm -hmm. eat, when to eat. That's when you kind of – that's where you want to make those mistakes, right? I woke up at the wrong time. I ate the wrong thing on the wrong time. You do that stuff then so that when you get to the bigger tournament, right, you you have your practice matches in, you know how to deal with your day, you already have enough practice in, you know your 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 strategy for the match, you know what to do. It, it feels more normal, but then you don't want to walk up and say, okay, it's my first L2 of the year, first L1, here we go, you know. You know what? I'm going to try that first thing where I'm not going to warm up for doubles and, and I'm going to eat dates for the first time in my life and then maybe you found out you were allergic, you know. It's just right. like, great. So... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now we've, we've talked about, you know, getting ready for the doubles matches, getting ready for the singles match. Let's assume that this is a sane tournament and it's only one singles match that day after playing two rounds of doubles. So after the singles match, maybe it's, you know, late afternoon, early evening, you're finished competing for the day. What do you do to get ready for the next day so that your energy level maintains that high level for day two? If you have time, sometimes we finish so late, it's tough. But if you can actually go for a 10-minute jog or a 10-minute bike ride, depending, you know, bikes are hard to find. That's why I jog is the easiest thing. Very, very, very slow. Um, this should be very easy. It should not be exhausting. You're not trying to run any record times. It's literally just to get the blood flow going through your legs after a long day. It just helps with the recovery process. Don't ask me the science. I've had every physical trainer and therapist tell me this and every pro when they finish their match, if you, you know, they are on the treadmill or they're on the bike after every single match. Unless this they isn't because now they're going home. <laughs> right. This, this isn't a cardio thing. It's no, no. it's a circulatory thing. It's a way to to break down the lactic acid that could build up in the muscles of the lower body. You want that lactic acid to dissipate so that there's no residual soreness, tightness the next day, or at least you're doing your best to try to minimize the soreness and tightness the next day. And that's why you're the best because you just explained it perfectly <laughs> and so shortly. This so is my great. my fitness training background. So yeah, yeah. life so, before so, parenting aces. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, if you can do that and and then get into some static stretching. But again, if you while you're doing static stretching, like eating, snacking, protein shake, something, food, get start intaking everything. You need to replenish everything you lost that day. Anything you can get your hands on, just just start eating it. Because uh, if you wait too long, and again, uh, you can correct me on this, but I think if you wait too long, 
then your body's going to continue to to take the fuel source from its muscles and continue mm-hmm. to break it down because there's no food in there. Right. So instead of using food, it's using your muscles and whatever's lo- stored, but where you've already depleted everything all day. So we want the recovery process to happen with food coming in so it's not crushing your body. And also, if you wait for one meal to eat everything, you're going to get too full too fast. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to replenish enough. So why And it also, this- it can impact your sleep, right? So you want to you wanna take in the majority of the calories at least two hours before bedtime so that your body has time to digest it so that when you do lay down to go to sleep, it can be a restful sleep. It's not time for your body to like you know, frantically try to break down all that food you just took in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, static stretching, eating at the same time and then shower and, you know, then go, go eat dinner, but then also try to have, you know, maybe 30, 45 minutes of just literally just cool time, Mm. cool down time, relax, like don't go play video games. I mean, I know it's, you, you just like use a lot of brain power that day. Just, just try to relax, put your feet up. If you can put your feet in an elevated position uh, and, and just recover. Cause a lot of times it, they'll do all this stuff, you know, the stretching, the eating, the dinner, the shower, the this, and then they go straight to bed, but their mind is too awake. Mm-hmm. So then they actually can't sleep, you know, and now right. they're just tossing and churning in bed because, and then they get frustrated that they can't sleep and it makes it even worse. So you want a little downtime to, to allow everything to relax at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. And sleep is a huge component of the recovery process. So doing everything you can to ensure a restful night's sleep, whether that means packing your own pillow when you travel to tournaments, because I know a lot of people are, you know, they're, they're very connected to their pillow and just take your pillow with you. If you have, you know, a certain, I don't know, something you like to sleep with or, you know, certain pajamas that are comfortable and restful for you. I mean, make sure that you take the things with you that will facilitate a good night's rest. If you don't get sleep in between these tournament days, it's that's a recipe for disaster too, as much as, you know, skimping on the food and the hydration and the stretching. Well, yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard of the the author in the book Matthew Walker. Why don't I think it's Why We Sleep? The title of his book. So he's a sleep expert. I mean, and he and many others say sleep is actually the biggest performance enhancing drug in the world, and yeah. it's legal. Uh, which also makes it tough when you finish so late at night and you you have an eight a.m. mass next morning. That's why we tell people it's be aware of what you're doing. If you choose to play doubles and singles, if, mm-hmm. if you think it's a very important tournament for you, you're going to be, there's going to be a lack of sleep. There's going to be, you're going to go through a lot of mental and physical energy. Is it worth it? Maybe it is for you, but it's just something you just want to be aware of. So, cause I've seen a lot of kids that were probably the better player. They could not get up to play that final day. Mm-hmm. And be aware of the 12 hour rule too, with USTA events. I mean, there is a rule in place that says that players must have 12 hours between the end of the day on, you know, the last match on the first day and the first match on the next day. So if, if you have a late match that doesn't end till nine, 10 o'clock at night, then your first match the next day shouldn't be before 9 or 10 a.m. And it's not a rule that every single tournament director adheres to, but ask, you know, 
they'll try and push you to an 8 a.m. match, even if you didn't finish till 10 because of scheduling issues. But pull out friend at court, show them the rule in friend at court and say, hey, I'm entitled to 12 hours here. You know, can you please accommodate me? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's so, it's so important to know that stuff because, yeah, some tournament directors, they get it. They have a lot of matches and maybe that's yeah. not even their own facility. And so they have to finish the tournament by a certain time and or day. And uh, but, you know, you have to look out for yourself and, and take care of your child, your family and make sure you're, you're helping them in any legal way that you can. For sure. And again, that's one of those things that, you know, the child should handle the player. I shouldn't say child. The player should handle if possible. And if the child or player isn't having success with that, then maybe it's appropriate for the coach or the parent to step in and assist. But but let the player take the lead on these kinds of things. It's it's a good learning experience for them. I know. Yeah, that's it. That's that's it. And again, this is stuff that we didn't have to deal with in juniors, you know, because right. you just never played matches at eight o'clock at night. Cause for the most part, unless it was rain, you know, you didn't, ha- I, I never played four matches in one day once just never had it. So th- there's a new dynamic that I think everyone now trying to learn and also learn what are the great, what are the great advantages of it? Mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny, JY, cause I think I told you this when I was a kid, we could play multiple age divisions in the tournament. So, you know, if I was, 13, I could play in the 14s and the 16s. And I would oftentimes do that and play singles and doubles in both age divisions. So we played a ton of matches. We played full two out of three sets. I don't know how we did it. I think, you know, the game's just so much more physical now and the surfaces are so much more um, stressful on the body than when I was growing up. I I don't know, because certainly I wasn't a super athlete by any stretch. I think a lot of us are also just a, a lot more mindful of kids and energies and overtraining and burn. Back then, it's just more of just go play, have fun. You want to play? Go, go play. Okay. Yeah. Are you tired? No, I'm fine. I'll be okay. Fine. Go play. It was never like, no, this fear of like burning a kid out, you know? Yeah. So no one thought about it. You just, you want to yeah. play, you love it. Great. Go play. And you woke up the next morning and you went, you did it again. And it was never like, oh, I'm tired. I need a day off. Mm-hmm. you know, which is something that happens more now. It's, it just never was thought of that way. But, you know, I would say one advantage of this to be able to play four matches in a day, if you are playing singles and doubles, if you are someone who does go to school, you don't homeschool and it's just hard for you to find a lot of practice time because, you know, just a lot of studies or whatever, the weekends could be your training. Mm-hmm. You could play singles and doubles, play all day, Saturday, play all day, Sunday, that could be part of actually your training week. And maybe you actually take a Tuesday and a Wednesday off yeah. because maybe you just don't have a great academy or great practice partners for wherever you live. We use the tournaments as your practice. You can use it as your training. So that that's also a good advantage of all that. Well, and, and I agree with that a hundred percent. And I want to just add to that. I wouldn't spend the time and money to travel for tournaments to use them as practices or, you know, necessarily use a level three, two, or one tournament as a practice tournament, right? You're talking about a lower level tournament that's close to home where you can sleep in your own bed that night and, um, but but get a lot of matches in. So I, I just think it's important to clarify that because 
certainly I don't want people to, you know, turn off this podcast and say, oh, well, JY and Lisa said we should be going to tournaments every weekend because our kid's not homeschooled. And, you know, we just have to now travel all over the place so that they can get in enough matches. No, that yeah, is no. not what we're saying. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, now, I mean, if you, if you live in the city where you, you struggle with tournaments, um, which is starting to happen more and more, unfortunately, some sections just don't have many tournaments, you know, feel free to reach out to us. We can kind of talk to you on the side about how to do it, but, uh, yeah, don't, don't just start traveling 20 out of your 23 tournaments out of state, you know, in hotels. Yeah. Uh, that's tiring. So. Yeah. Tiring and expensive. Yeah. 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 All right, JY, anything else we need to touch on with in terms of managing energy during these events i i will say you know it's one of those things i i mean i still have very vivid memories of going through this with my son where you know all of a sudden he started winning and was able to stay at tournaments longer and it took probably two or three of those tournaments where he was continuing to win before he figured out how to manage himself throughout the tournament span so that by that last day, he still had enough in reserves to compete at his highest level. Yeah. I mean, so, so much of junior tennis is actually just learning what's the right and wrong way to do things. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and there's no one size fits all. That's the challenge, right? For what works for one player may or may not work for somebody else. Exactly. You just get to learn about what works for you all. And, um, and as you, as you, your child grows up, they're going to change. And so you learn how they change. If they get significantly better, maybe you play a little bit less doubles or, or maybe they, you don't, they're totally fine. They're actually getting, they're fit enough. They love it. They're playing great. Just, just don't get stuck on, well, this is the way they, I, I always did it. So now I'm going to do it. And if they start losing, you don't adapt mm. and then they're miserable and you don't adapt. Like just be willing to be flexible, be willing to learn, that's why, you know, 10s, 12s, 14s, heck, even the first year of 16s, the most important thing is, are you learning, developing, and, and enjoying what you're doing so that you're setting yourself up for when it starts to matter more? Absolutely. Well, JY, thank you so much for coming on again. If people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Uh, the best would be to go to my website because uh, there's contact links. My email is there. So www.obonetennis.com, A-U-B-O-N-E tennis.com. I'm on social media as well, abonetennis.com. Uh, not abonetennis.com, abonetennis on Instagram, probably where I'm most active. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if they're not on Parenting Aces in the Facebook group, that's a great way to find me there. You can find me in some of the comments there. Um, yeah, and, and just you can email me, abonetennis at gmail.com as well. Just reach out to me. I'm, I'm pretty open. And uh, happy to help anyone. And we will have all those links in the show notes on parentingaces.com. So be sure to check those out. Also, I just want to mention, since JY didn't mention this himself, that he is available to do um, virtual coaching and virtual consultations and has helped many, many, many members of the Parenting Aces community already. And I know we'll continue to do that. So JY, we appreciate that aspect of what you do so much because as you mentioned, you know, there are people that live in places that don't have access to top-notch training or top-notch tournaments or even just a lot of tournaments. And so having you as that virtual resource, that touch point is so, so helpful. So thank you for offering that service. And 
for those of you watching or listening, if you fall into that category of needing better coaching, better competition opportunities, please reach out to JY and he, he's just an invaluable resource. Well, thank you for that, Lisa. And for those who are just, I know at first it's a little bit different. Like how do we do tennis coaching online or, or anything like this? Like just, just talk to me first. Don't overthink it. I'll walk you through everything. It's been a lot of fun since I started doing this towards the end of last year. And even I've been surprised at how helpful it's been uh, because it's, it's been incredible. It's been a lot of fun and just seeing the changes and the players and, and the families as well as how they understand things has been great. And I want to just reinforce the fact that you're not looking to take over as a primary coach necessarily in these virtual coaching scenarios. Sometimes that's what the, the client's looking for, but oftentimes you're going to be working alongside the primary coach and you're really good at looping everybody in and making sure everybody's on the same page and kind of helping everyone navigate the journey together as opposed to trying to step in and, and take over. So I want to just kind of um, assure the parents out there that, you know, if your primary coach is not able to provide everything that your player needs, maybe consulting with JY is, is a great alternative for you. Thank you for that, Lisa. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. So thanks again for coming on. And to my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.